So I've been watching some of the um, U.S. track and field uh, championships, Olympic qualifying over the last couple of weeks uh, on TV, and it's taken me back to high school uh, when, when I used to run track, um, watching them like get ready for a race and then uh, get into position at the starting line and be waiting until, uh, until the gun fired. Like it recreated in me uh, that the strange feeling that I used to get, like internally when I when I used to when I used to run, it would build up all day this sense of excitement and dread and nervousness, and then it would swell even more when I heard the announcer say, you know, final call, 1600 meter run, and then it would end up being this lump in my throat as I stood there on the starting line, like waiting for for the race to start. And I say all this because. I'm guessing for many of us in our prayer lives and, and when we say the Lord's Prayer, that same thing might happen as we approach that part of the prayer that says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Maybe stuff is, is swelling, uh, bubbling up inside of you like it does me, either as we struggle to come to grips with the ways that we've, we've not been faithful, or struggle with the truth that maybe there's this person that we haven't forgiven. Maybe we just have a hard, uh, awkward time in the moment, like thinking of something specific, some specific wrong that we've, that we've done. I mean, it's hard enough to remember what we had for lunch the previous day, Right? And yet, as with all the phrases of, of the Lord's Prayer, like, Jesus said it. <laughs> Jesus included it. And so, it must be important. When we, when we say, when we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, we're naming our need to receive and to extend mercy. When we pray that, we're naming our need to receive and to extend mercy mercy. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, scripture readings this morning, uh, two first from Psalm 51, the first two verses, and then from Matthew 6, where we've been throughout this Lord's Prayer sermon series. Listen now for God's word. Have mercy on me, God, according to your faithful love. Wipe away my wrongdoings according to your great compassion. Wash me completely clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin. And now from Matthew 6, beginning with verse 7. When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them, because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Jesus has, Jesus has showed us that we should pray for God's kingdom to come. Uh, that we can pray for God to provide us with what we need to live. And Jesus also shows us the importance of confession when we pray. Asking God for forgiveness and mercy is one of the most common refrains in, in Scripture. Again and again, because human brokenness is also one of the most common verses. Like, we human beings are very imperfect and, and pitiable creatures. Our human story is like the scene that plays out at the end of the book of Deuteronomy uh, on repeat. God's people had been journeying in the, in the wilderness for decade upon decade, and now right before entering the promised land, God says, okay, here it is. Today I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that you may live, and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, clinging to him. And each and every day, you or I do or say or don't do or, or don't say something that leans more towards death than life. Clinging to other things instead of God, right? Obeying other voices and listening other, to other voices over God's. We don't always choose life. We stand at that fork and choose death. Perhaps not intentionally, but in turning away from God and not loving God with our whole heart and not loving our neighbor, we cut ourselves off from true life. And so we need to be reconnected. We need to come clean. We need restoration. We need healing. We need forgiveness. And so as imperfect uh, pitiable creatures, we call out to God for forgiveness because we are also incredibly special and incredibly loved creatures. Jesus gives us the words to say that echo that refrain and that call for forgiveness that happens again and again in, throughout Scripture, that echo the refrain of David in Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. That sound like Moses when he bowed his face to the ground and prayed, Lord, please go along with us. Although these are stubborn people, forgive our guilt and our sin and take us as your own possession. Or Daniel, when he cried out on behalf of the, of the people, a great and awesome God who, who keeps his covenant of love. We have sinned and done wrong. We have, have been wicked and rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and laws. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In line with all of those refrains in Scripture, that refrain, asking for forgiveness from God, this asking for forgiveness clears, helps us clear out sin in us so that it doesn't do further damage. Sin loses power when it's exposed. Sin loses power when it's exposed. It reminds me of um, the movie I Am Legend, starring Will Smith. Goodness, that's probably 15 years old now, that movie. Uh, but it's about a doctor. But it's, I thought of it because actually it's kind of like, it was based on like a pandemic and all those movies have kind of come back in our current, but anyway. But it's about a man, a doctor, who believes he might be the sole survivor of uh, a plague that kills most people and then the ones it doesn't kill transforms into zombie-like creatures. Uh, like all these movies do, right? So he's, he's forced to survive in this dangerous post-apocalyptic world with his dog, and I believe the setting is Manhattan. 
Um, the key is, that his key discovery is that the zombie-like creatures can only survive in the darkness and in the shadows. They are afraid of the light because the light actually causes them physical harm. So in, in the light, they become quite powerless. Praying, forgive us our trespasses, incorporating confession in our prayer, and asking for God's forgiveness takes sin out of the shadows and into the light of God's mercy where it loses its grip on us. Sin loses power when it's exposed while mercy gains power. In fact, praying for God's forgiveness takes us straight to the place where mercy's power was on full display, the cross of Christ. For the, the, the cross of Jesus shows the full power and mercy uh, of a mercy and love that would go to such great lengths to, to repair the damage and the distance and, and the pain caused by sin. So to ask for God's forgiveness is to stand in the place where a dying Savior said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The word forgive in the, in the Greek actually literally means to, to release or to let go or even to hurl away. Lord, hurl away, release our sins. We, we can't hurl away, we can't release our own sins. We cannot break that cycle of guilt and shame and hurt that we inflict on ourselves and, and others. God accomplished this releasing of our, of our sins by taking them upon God's self on the cross and thereby breaking sin's hold on us and releasing us from the debt that we owed or the, or the, or the lines we shouldn't have crossed, right? The trespassing. And once we become followers of Jesus, like forgiveness and mercy become the atmosphere in which we live, the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in, the economy we operate with in the kingdom of God. Forgiveness and mercy. The mercy that makes relationship with God possible in the first place is that same mercy that goes with us brand new every day for which we ask. I saw uh, an artistic word illustration of God's forgiveness one time in the book, and it was a picture of a rope. Um, it, I think we have an image of a, uh, maybe of that. Um, not the actual one, but just, just a rope so you get the idea. It was a picture of a rope with, with knots um, tied in it, and off to the side uh, of the rope was written this caption. Our lives are like this rope. We are tightly attached to God. Every time we, we sin, we, we cut the rope, and every time in response, God's forgiveness, or every time in response, rather, God forgives us, tying a knot in the rope, and thereby drawing us ever closer to God's self. So when we, when we pray to our Heavenly Father and ask God to, to forgive us our trespasses, we're confessing that, that we have cut the rope, but we're asking and trusting that God will tie the rope back together and bring us a little bit closer each and every time to God's loving heart. Forgive us our trespasses, God. Wouldn't it be great if we could just leave it right there, Right? Ah, but then there has to be that other part. As we forgive those, or as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. And then Jesus has to elaborate more on this part. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. What? 
Seriously, Jesus? That is hard. Yes, it is. Forgiveness is hard. And Jesus is making a clear connection between God's forgiveness and our own. He's making the assumption. Jesus is just assuming that we're asking forgiveness from God and forgiving others in the process. It's like he knows our relationship with God and our relationship with other people are bound together. I mean, remember Jesus says that the greatest commandment is actually two things that stand right beside each other on equal footing because they are mutually connected. Love God, love your neighbor. And the implication is clear. Like, if, if you can't rightly love God if you don't love others. Or you can't rightly love others until you, unless you love God. And, and Jesus is making a similar move here when he teaches us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The implication is clear. Until you or, or I realize and accept what God has done for us in terms of forgiveness we're going to struggle to extend it to others. If we're struggling to extend it to others, we're not fully accepting and grasping that the lavish mercy God is extending to us. In other words, it's not possible for us really to know God's forgiveness for us and at the same time be unforgiving toward others. Think of, a, think of a water mill. You know, water, water flows either through a stream or through uh, piping or, or some kind of uh, channel. Water turns the big wheel outside, which turns gears and smaller uh, wheels inside, which, which grind up corn or wheat uh, and turn it into flour. Imagine that our lives are like that water mill, and, and God's forgiveness is like the supply of, of water that turns, that turns the wheel. When we do not extend forgiveness to others, it's like we have lodged something in the gears on the inside of the mill and the whole operation stops. No more making flour or meal. Yes, the water, God's forgiveness, might still be flowing to us, but it can't turn the giant wheel because we've jammed it up from the inside. Everything grinds to a halt. If we do not forgive other people, it's like we have shut off the ability for God's grace to continue to flow through us. God may be extending grace, but our hearts have become poisoned and tainted because the forgiveness we have received has not been extended to others around us. A heart that is not capable of offering forgiveness is a heart that maybe has become too calloused to receive it from God. When we, when we pray, forgive us as we forgive others, we acknowledge that to accept forgiveness is also to accept the promise to extend it, to give it. But this is hard work. This is hard, difficult work. I don't, I don't know about you, like when I'm wrong, I can think of Hundreds of reasons against forgiveness. He needs to learn a lesson. She'll get what's coming to her. It'll come back around. I don't want to encourage irresponsible behavior. I'll let her stew for a while. It'll do her good. Uh, they need to learn their actions have consequences. 
I was the person who was, who was wrong. Why is it up for, to me to make the first move? How can I forgive if he's not even sorry? And on and on, right? That when we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, we're forfeiting all that. We're forfeiting our desire to get even with someone. We think, we think not forgiving someone represents our control after we've been wronged, but it actually represents our own imprisonment. The wrong, because the wrongdoer and the wrong still have power over us. And unforgiveness, the unforgiveness we think is hurting them is poisoning us worse. Anne Lamott says, not forgiving someone is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. Think about it. Drinking rat poison, waiting for the rat to die. Friends, the, the only way, because this is so hard, the only way you and I can take that forgiveness leap, the only way we can sincerely pray and live into forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us is in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. And remembering that the sins uh, the sins of others against us are laid right next to our own. If we've received God's pity, God's mercy, then we have a vantage point from which we can forgive other people, not, from, not in light of the hurt that they've caused us, but in light of the cross from which God's forgiveness came as an undeserved gift to us. Because the debt we owe to God is far greater than any debt anyone could owe to us. The, the, the trespassing we've done against God is, is far more rebellious than any trespassing against us. Forgiving others as God has forgiven us means we won't hold something over someone's head for the rest of their lives. Yes, the, the memory and the pain may remain. Consequences may still occur, but we've renounced that claim against them. We've renounced the claim against them. As people who've received mercy, we extend mercy. And it looks something like this. Take a look. We end this week with a lesson in forgiveness from Steve Hartman on the road. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You're saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did. I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Well, basically, the start of that day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs, and stealing. Of course, Jamal was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, 
they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side by side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. On Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. Grab this one, set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hartman, on the road, in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And that's the CBS Evening News for tonight. And this, this is just one of many. If, if you want to be reminded of the power of forgiveness this week, just Google stories of forgiveness. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's quite powerful. So, so let me ask you, do you have that swelling up feeling inside of you when you hear forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a swelling of, of guilt or, or awkwardness because asking God for forgiveness means confronting past mistakes, unholy habits. Maybe it's a swelling of pain because when you pray that, it conjures up memories of how you've been hurt, um, hurt done to you, or, or the truth that there's somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe it's the swelling up of, of indescribable joy and, and gratitude, knowing that you're asking forgiveness from a, a loving God who already did the hard work of making mercy real on the cross. Whatever the case, friends, may, may this line of the Lord's Prayer and this element of our prayer lives make it clear to us that forgiveness and mercy have a source. Forgiveness and mercy have a source. And because of that source, mercy is supposed to be the very air we breathe. And Jesus' prayer and hope is that with that same breath, with the same breath, we would ask for God's forgiveness while extending it to someone else. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.